I'm going to be reading from Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to skip around a little bit. I'm going to read 1 through 3 and then skip around uh, from, go to verse 33. So Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they, well, are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit from the land. It was the season of the first ripe grapes. Verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo and Hamath. Verses 25 through 33. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They went back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Haran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. So it's, they're excited there. Here is its fruit. Now, their expectations are met. It's, this doesn't say that. I'm just saying that. Their expectations are met. It does flow with milk and honey. Then comes verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We even look, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. So, okay, we're going to. We're going to today begin a very unique and practical series. Sorry, that worship service kind of got to me a little bit. Um, Great Expectations. The series is called Great Expectations. One that I truly believe can alter your life. Because when we talk about expectations, it meets the needs and it touches the hearts of everyone from the youngest to the oldest. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. Culture, age, none of it matters. When we're talking about expectations, if we don't handle our expectations correctly, it will have a profound impact on our lives. But as we go through this series, I truly believe that if you will come here every Sunday through this series, Except if you're away. But if you'll make the effort to get up and come here every Sunday, it can alter your life. That's how practical the things that we're going to talk about are. It matters to every single one of us more than you could possibly imagine. 
What do you believe will make you happy? What do you believe will make you content, will give you peace, will give you joy? Again, will make you happy. What is it, as you, as you ponder through that in your mind, what can make me happy? Do I ever think that I can truly have a peace, a joy, and contentment in my life? I want to answer that question over the next few weeks. That's what I want to deal with over the next few weeks. What is it that will bring happiness to our lives? What is it that will bring contentment? Because that's what every human being on the planet truly wants. They want contentment. They want peace. They want joy. And I'm going to use the word happiness in a biblical sense. That's what they want. That's what we all want. So can we expect to be happy in this life is that you have in your life. For me, it was younger and up through my maybe teenage years. For many of you, it's when you got a little older. Things like that happen. Expectations, unmet expectations happen in your life. And what life sometimes does to us is it teaches us to lower or limit our expectations. But that is not a good move. That is not the right thing to do when it comes and it spills over into our expectations to God, for God. That's not, what, you know, because, because someone in your life didn't do something, didn't meet an expectation, that cannot now spill over into your Heavenly Father and him meeting the expectations that we have for our lives. Now, we're going to talk in this series about unrealistic expectations and how they ruin our lives. But that'll come next week and the week after. We're going to talk about unrealistic expectations and how that has a tremendous impact on our relationships and every other area of our lives. When it comes to God, we need to trust him and have high expectations of what God can do in our lives. We need to keep those high expectations that God can do amazing things. We need to live our lives, no matter how old we are, knowing that God can still do exceptional things in our lives. You know, the life expectancy, I'm going to depress some of you, I apologize. The life expectancy in the uh, in U.S. now is about 70, it's almost 79 years old, right? So I want you to write that number down, 79. Right? If you can do it in your head, that's fine too. Now I want you to take your age and subtract your age from 79. Now I've really depressed some of you. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out when I realized that I only had like 27 years left, right? But I have great expectations. I always have thought this, that I'm going to live to 108. So I actually have like 56 years left. Because I think I'm going to live a long, long time. I don't know why. I was at work. That's the number that stuck in my head my entire life since I was a child. I'm going to live to 108 years old. So I have 56 good years left that I can use to serve the Lord. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. What are your expectations for the remaining years of your life? And why is that so important? Earl Nightingale writes, we tend to live up to our expectations. And A.W. Tozer wrote this, faith without expectations is dead. 
Faith without expectations is dead. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Faith without expectations is dead. We need to have faith in our God. We need to have expectations of our God. We need to have realistic expectations based upon the word of God. But we cannot limit our expectations of God because of what went on in our past or for any other reason. So the question is, what are you going to do with the years that God has given you, that God has purposed for you to live? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Are you going to live out God's plan and purpose for your life? Because only in living out God's purpose for your life can you find happiness. Can you find peace? Can you find joy? Can you find contentment for your life? Those, those, those who, who, who try to live out God's purpose reach forward with great expectation because they trust the promises of God. They trust the promises of God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. You know, sometimes we have great expectations even of God and sometimes God doesn't do what we planned. And then we get frustrated with God and we get angry at God because God is not doing what we plan. And I read God can do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. And there's kind of a, a little bit of a bitterness when I say that to, for, for some people because they're going, wait a second. I had the expectations of God to do this, but he didn't do it in my life. So now you're telling me he's going to do abundantly above and beyond all I could ever ask or imagine. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. God will fulfill his plan and purpose for your life. But sometimes we have unrealistic expectations that go unmet. Unrealistic expectations. We plan and expect God to put his stamp of approval on it. And that's what we're going to talk about as well in this series. That we have to remember that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. That God has created us, designed us specifically to do something unique. And God will do abundantly beyond all that you can ever ask or imagine according to his plan for your life. And we should ask or imagine a lot. And we need to believe in the promises of God. See, the Israelites knew, knew about expectations. They wandered, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, hearing about this land of milk and honey. And I understand, you know, what happened with Moses and that the older generation didn't go in. But you think about this, you have these people growing up within that culture. 40 years 40 years, they have these expectations. They're hearing about this land of milk and honey. They're right there anticipating, waiting for it. I think it was their expectations that carried them through that long and challenging and amazing journey as they waited to go into the land. Think about it. All of those years, their expectations must have been growing. As they, grew, as they grew up hearing about it, they must have been growing, eating manna, but thinking about the possibilities of the future, dreaming of so much more. Dreaming about so much more that God was going to do in their lives. You see, here's the thing. Some people, some people have expectations that go unmet. We just talked about that. 
They have unrealistic expectations and they go unmet and it, and it literally sometimes destroys their lives. And some can't seem, though, to seize the moment when it's right there within their reach. They can't seem to make the decision to seize the moment. And we see both in God's people. We see unmet, unrealistic, unmet expectations in God's people. And we see also there are people that when when the opportunity is placed right before them, they don't seize the moment. They don't take the opportunity to seize the moment. Have you noticed? Think about this, that when life doesn't meet your expectations, it creates intense frustration. I don't have a word. I, there is no word in the English language or any other language that can describe the intense emotion that people feel when they have unmet expectations. This is going to be a very, very, I want to say, dynamic, exciting, challenging series because of that. Because walking through this, this has destroyed some of your lives. This will destroy some of your lives if you don't grasp and understand what we're talking about here. This is powerful. You, you want to see frustration? Go and talk to a married person with unmet expectations. They had expectations of how their marriage was supposed to go in the very beginning, but now they have unmet expectations. You want to see intense frustration? Go and talk to a 40-year-old person who had great expectations for their career that never materialized. You ask why people have midlife crises and do all kinds of wacky, crazy things and get intensely angry and whatever the case may be, unmet expectations. You want to see intense frustration? Go and talk to a single person who expected to be married with children at a certain point in their lives and they're not. Unmet expectations can cause intense, intense life-altering frustration. You know, there are also those, though, who, given the opportunity, I mean, the opportunity is there. Given the opportunity to seize the moment, they hesitate. We talked about those folks. Let's talk about the people who, they, their opportunity is right there, but then they, they hesitate. They can't take that next step. When the Israelites finally reach their destination, when they finally reach their goal, okay, they're right there, they hesitated to grab for the brass ring. You got this next generation. Moses sends them into the land. The opportunities right there with so many of them, so many of them were hesitating. They were afraid to really grasp that brass ring, something that was right there within their grasp. They wouldn't grasp. I mean, you know, I didn't realize this, even though I experienced it in my own life for years. But you know where that phrase comes from, reaching for the brass ring? I remember growing up, I had a lot of experiences growing up in a lot of different places. I grew up in Ocean, part of my growing up was in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, which bordered on Asbury Park. Back in the heyday, Asbury Park was a cool place. I mean, it really was. And one of the things they had over in Asbury was this merry-go-round. Now, this merry-go-round, I'm 52. This has got to be 40, over 40 years ago. Um, and this merry-go-round was old then. It was awesome. I mean, it was now probably worth, I mean, a fortune. 
but you get on this big old merry-go-round. You go around in a circle and you hang on. You know, the pole comes down and you hang on to the pole. And so you're going around. Everybody grabs a horse and you run on the merry-go-round fast and you get to the horses on the end, on the outside, because you would hold on to the horse and you would reach out and there was a, a piece of metal that came down and on the end of that metal there were rings that would be fed out from that metal tube there. And what you would do is you'd, you'd hang on to your pole, you'd reach out and you'd stick your finger out now this would be completely illegal. You know what I mean? That's why they stopped doing it. There's no more fun anymore. You know what I'm saying? You can't reach. You can't even really reach for the brass ring anymore because someone will sue you. So you hang on to the pole and you reach out as far as you can get and you stick your finger out and you try to catch the ring. And most of the rings are silver, but every once in a while, a brass ring would pop out. And you'd be praying that the person in front of you didn't get it because if you got the brass ring and you reached for the brass ring and you got it, you got a free ride on the merry-go-round. That was a big deal, getting a free ride in America. You, you risked your life to get a ride on the merry-go-round. This is the good old days, you know what I'm saying? Your parents weren't around. I remember, I remember now, you know, now, now me, I can't even argue, it, it's terrible. But when Kim and Jen were very, very little, and they had those little merry-go-rounds with two horses on them, you know what I'm saying? And I would, I would literally walk around in circles, making sure they didn't fall off. Right. And I remember this one mom, she had like four boys and this one boy, he was like maybe two or three years old. And he's on the merry-go-round. He's going on the horse and he got bored and he let go. And now these are this is a metal base, a metal horse and the ground. He let go and just leaned off and fell and went onto the ground. His mother was just kind of eating a hot dog. Off he ran with his brothers. And I was like, you know, don't let my kids fall. And I'm like, whatever, he's hanging out, getting the brass ring. They didn't, they wouldn't grasp for that brass ring. It was right there in front of them. God gives us an opportunity to go for the brass ring, to live out his purpose for our lives. He tells us so many times what he's calling us to do. He lays it all out for us. He tells you, take that step of faith. Do, take that job. Don't be afraid to try out for that play. I want you to try this. I want you to do that. Go for it. And instead, we hesitate because we're afraid to go for the brass ring. Can anyone relate, though, to their fear here this morning? I mean, you think about it. They went in, they saw the Nephilim, the, you know, the Anak come from the Nephilim and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And they, they, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. And so they saw the giants and they were afraid. So even though the milk and honey was right there at their grasp, they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's rethink this whole thing. This looks like it's going to take a battle. This looks like it's going to be difficult. I'm not sure if we should not think through all of this again. See, we get excited about the possibilities. We get excited about the possibilities. We sense God's calling and we look forward with great excitement and anticipation to what's coming, to what is possible, to the opportunity. Like the Israelites, we allow ourselves to have these great expectations of what could be. We have expectations that we are going to grow. We, we, we allow ourselves to have expectations that kind of grow out of all of these thoughts. But when it comes, to, when it comes time to pull the trigger, when it comes to time to take that next step in our spiritual walk, when it comes time to take on the challenges that we may have to face, we hesitate. We, we don't want to take that next step, which leads me to this thought. There, there is something else about expectations that we sometimes seem to overlook. God has expectations of us. 
God gives us a plan. God gives us a purpose. God gives us a vision. God gives us dreams. And he has expectations that we're going to fulfill what he has called us and given us to do. He gives us gifts. He gives us talents. He gives us abilities. And he expects us to use those to build the kingdom of God and to fulfill all that he has for our lives. He expected the same thing from the Israelites. Here's my question. If it only takes less than two months to walk from Egypt to Israel, why did it take God's people 40 years? Now, I understand the hitting of the thing and you can't go in and 40 years, though. Why did God not allow them to go to just, you know, march right in there? Just that's it. Go take it. I, I, I think God realized that they weren't ready and he was using this time to shape their hearts. That younger generation even coming. They weren't He was using that time to shape their hearts. He was getting them ready to take possession of the land. He was getting them ready to take possession of the land and to live out their purpose. And their purpose was to be a light to the nations. Their purpose, Israel's purpose, was to be to take this land and then to be a light unto the nations. So the question I have for you this morning, another question is, what is God getting you ready for? Because we can talk about the Israelites all day long. My question this morning to you is, what is God getting you ready for right now? You're going through some really difficult times. How many people here like to wait? Anybody like to wait? Raise your hand if you love to wait. I don't see anybody's hand going up. Am I missing? My, I know my glasses. I don't have my glasses on. There's one person's hand. You can put it down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No one raise their hand. I don't like, I, can't, I hate waiting. Okay. I can't stand waiting. I want, to get it, I want to get to it right now. But God knows when we're prepared. God knows when we're ready. And sometimes he holds us back so that we can get ready to accomplish what he has for us. But we, there's things that we need to learn. What is he getting ready for you to do? You're going through such a difficult time right now. You're, things are not going the way you planned. My friends, God can be using that time, this time in our lives, to get us ready. God expected the Hebrews in the wilderness to learn and grow as they waited. He had the crazy notion that they would learn and they would grow while they were waiting. They, he wanted them to prepare for the next step in their journey. He wanted them to grow in their faith and trust in him before they took on the challenges of the promised land. Because there were going to be a lot of challenges when they entered the promised land. And God has the same expectations for us as well. He has the same expectations for us as well. We just, we just finished our series, right, on transformation, and we learned so much about ourselves, and we made decisions that will change the course of our lives. We, we thought through the physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual. We went through all those things, and we learned a lot about ourselves. And then we said, God, help me to grow in this area of my life. See, now God expects you to continue to move forward in your spiritual walk. This, my friends, this, this series is not going to go dipping down. We went through this transformation. Now we're not. Oh, no, no. I'm going to ramp it up. I'm going to ramp it up. This is no time to hesitate. This is not the time to hesitate. We made commitments. We overcome. We overcame challenges. We overcame difficulty. We overcame barriers. Now is the time that we should 
plow forward and experience the new life that we have chosen, that we chose for ourselves. We have chosen to live. Now is not the time to hesitate. Now is not the time for fear. Now is not the time to shrink back. Now is a time to move forward. We cannot allow the past to lower our expectations of what God can do for us in the future. We cannot allow our past to lower our expectations, to limit our expectations of what our God can do for us in the future. We cannot allow those things to come creeping back into our lives. Think about this. How many seas does God have to part in your life before you trust him? How many times does God have to part the sea in your life that we so easily forget? How many times does he have to do that before we learn to trust him? If it's God who called us, we need to believe and have faith that he is going to help us fulfill his plan and purpose for our lives. We need to trust him. But while you're waiting and you're going through all of that, what you need to do while you're going through all this, you need to be prepared. You, be, you have to start preparing. While you're waiting for all of what I just described to be fulfilled, that waiting period, again, can't stand it. I know you can't stand it, but you know what? God expects us to learn and grow through it. But while we're waiting for that experience to take place, what we need to do is prepare. Students, okay? You're thinking, if you're a junior or senior right now, or even a sophomore or whatever, you're thinking that this time you're spending in your house right now is such a waste of time. You are so, you're, you're, you're like, you've had senior, senioritis since your freshman, freshman year, and you're so excited to, to get that independence. You're, you have so much of a desire to be independent. Not that you don't love your parents or anything, but you're just, man, you're ready to move on. It's time to move on. You're sick of waiting. But have you ever considered that this is the greatest time you will ever have in your entire life to learn? It is. It is the greatest time that you'll ever have to learn. This is the, this, this is this, you will never have, you will never have, listen to me, you will never have a better chance to learn patience. Amen? You all remember this, and some of us wasted it, didn't we? You will never have a better chance to learn patience. You will never have a better chance to learn selflessness. You will never have a better chance to learn what it is to compromise in the right way with other people around you. You'll never have a better chance to learn to, to, to build your communication skills that you, will use, that you will use in your future marriage or your career. You will use all of those things and now is the greatest time you will ever have to learn them and you cannot just throw away this opportunity because you think, I'm in limbo. I'm just waiting. God expects you to learn and grow while you're waiting in this situation because you're going to learn things you could never, ever learn but being in this situation. Adults, have you ever, you ever looked at where you are right now as preparation for what God has for you in the future? You ever, you ever thought about that? That's preparation for your, the next steps of your, of your spiritual journey? Ha, are you taking advantage of this wilderness experience? And I say this with all the love in the world. Or are you just whining and complaining about it? Let me say that again. Are you taking advantage of this wilderness experience that you're going through right now? This time 
that you're going through, that you're waiting? Are you, are you taking advantage of that time or are you just complaining about it like the Israelites did? I used to pick on the Israelites a lot when I was younger. I pick on them less now. Because I want to stand over here like, I'm Caleb and Joshua. But you know what I'm like sometimes? I'm like the Israelites, whining and complaining. We need to look as, as for this as an opportunity. See, high expectations without preparation leads to discouragement. High expectations without preparation leads to discouragement. But God can even use our disappointments. It leads to disappointment. It leads to discouragement. But here's the thing. God can even use our disappointments to help us to grow. Right? He can use all those things to help us to grow. But when you just have high expectations with no preparation, all you're going to be left with is disappointment because you're going to be frustrated with God that he's not doing what you expect him to do. And then you're not going to learn and he's not even going to be able to use your disappointments in your life. He can use all of those things. Do you want to have great expectations for God? You truly want to have great expectations for God, then you need to partner with God and you need to listen to him when he speaks. When God speaks to your heart, you need to open up your mind. You need to open up your heart. You need to listen to him. I can have I can I can really have high expectations of God because it's the only alliance that guarantees me that I won't be disappointed. Honestly, I can have the highest expectations in the world of that alliance with God because it is guaranteed not to disappoint. I heard someone say, I'd rather have one God idea than a thousand good ideas. I mean, I totally agree with that. Let, let, let's be honest. Let, let's just face it. Our best plans will eventually disappoint us, right? But God's plans never will. Your best laid plans will ultimately disappoint you. God's plans will carry you through, on the other hand, adversity. They'll carry you through uncertainty. They'll carry you through a spiritual opposition. They'll carry you through weariness. When you're weary, God's plans will carry you through all of those things. Our plans usually wilt. God's plans always flourish. Dumbing down your expectations is not the way to overcome disappointment. It's not the way to avoid disappointment. The way you overcome disappointment is making sure that it is God-centered, that your plans are God-centered. Too many factors, and for those of you who are control freaks, don't poke anybody, stop poking right now, don't look, keep focused. Too many people are control freaks, you realize there are too many factors beyond your control that will eventually ensure that you'll be disappointed by someone or something, right? There are too many things that are out of your control. Eventually, you will be disappointed by someone or something. But if we, but but if, but if we, if we will, if we will never be, we will, but we will never be disappointed if we put that same hope, if we put that same trust, if we put that same desire in our relationship with God. If we dream those dreams and we allow God to make it to make those dreams his purpose and his plan. We need to make sure that we don't have unrealistic expectations for our lives, that we have expectations that are God-centered. Let me, let me share a story here as we close off this, this, uh, for this morning. Joseph had every reason to believe that he was not going to fulfill his purpose and plan. He had every reason to believe that. I mean, you think about it. 
You think about it. The disappointment with his brothers throwing him into a cistern and then Potiphar and Potiphar's wife lying about him. He had every reason to believe that he was not going to live out or fulfill a dynamic plan for his life. But he also believed that God had a plan. He also truly believed and he trusted in God. And so he stayed faithful and he did trust God. And through it all, through it all, through all that he went through, all the setbacks and and all the disappointments, He kept his faith. He kept his hope. He kept his trust in God and fulfilled all that God had for him through all the ups and downs. You see what I'm talking about here? God can use those those things that people did to you. God can use them. Those difficulties that you faced that had nothing to do with your choices. God can use them. The things that you did that you chose to do. God can use them. God can use them. But we need to continue to trust him. You can be sure if it's a God idea, if it's truly a God idea, then it's going to seem impossible. It's going to seem somewhat overwhelming. It's going to seem too hard. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be too big. It's going to be too expensive. It's going to be too illogical. I mean, my goodness, what church starts a business to fund orphan care? Is that not unorthodox? Right. Because we're talking about a God idea. God ideas are by definition almost always unorthodox. Because it's God who does it. And by the very definition, a God idea needs to be accomplished by God himself. And God will come into our lives and accomplish what he has purposed for us, what he has planned for us, for us. You see, when we hear from God, it often seems overwhelming. And I'll be honest with you, it also seems even frightening. But let me tell you what's even more frightening. Not hearing from God. What's even more frightening in our lives should be not, it should be when we, we don't hear from God. See, we need to live in such a way that we have high expectations, that we have great expectations, not based upon the plans of men, but upon the purposes of God. Our expectations, our great expectations should be on the purposes and plan of God, not on the plans of men, not on things that we conjure up on our own. Great expectations are anchored when they are anchored in the word of God When they are anchored in the word of God, they are accomplished through the unending power of God. When we we put our hope in the unfailing word of God, God will accomplish them through his unending power. My friends, have great expectations for your life. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care people talk about your genetics and your environment. You know what's even more powerful than genetics and environment? The Holy Spirit of God living in you. The Holy Spirit of God living in you. Don't let anybody tell you not to have great expectations. Don't let anybody tell you that you're worthless, that you can't accomplish things. You shouldn't even try that. Don't shoot for that. You're going to be disappointed. If God has it for your life, then he will accomplish it in your life. It's okay to have great expectations of God. It's okay to continue to have great expectations of God because his plans, they never fail. God's plans never, ever fail. They never disappoint But this series is going to challenge, listen to me, it's going to challenge and readjust your way of thinking. Because so many people here this morning are living with unmet and unrealistic expectations that are destroying your relationships. They're destroying your relationships. They're leaving all of us disappointed in our dreams and disillusioned with our careers. 
They're having a pro- these unrealistic and unmet expectations are ruining our lives. They're ruining our lives. But as we learn to put our hope in him alone, he can turn things around. My friends, he can turn your disappointment into determination. He can turn your discouragement into discovery. He can turn things around. He can change your life. Romans 8, 28, I alluded to it earlier, says this. But we know that in all things, in all things, let me say that again. We know that in all things, not just the good things, the passage is talking about the negative, difficult, hard things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God will use the good, God will use the bad, and God will use the ugly to fulfill his purpose for your life. But we need to have realistic expectations based upon the word of God, not based upon our own whims and our own thoughts, because it is absolutely positively ruining our lives. You want the secret of being happy? You want the secret of being content? You want the secret of what it means to bring beauty out of the ashes? You want to recapture your joy? Do you want all of those things? All you need to do is ask. And when he speaks, you need to listen. You need to listen. In Jeremiah, our, our theme verse is Jeremiah 33.3, and it says this. Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you about great and hidden things that you do not know. You want all those things? You want to be able to bring beauty out of the ashes? You want to recapture your joy? You, you, You want to have a happy life? You want fulfillment? You want contentment? You want all those things? Then you just need to ask. You need to ask because he said, call to me and I'll answer you. You call me, I'll answer you. And I will tell you about great and hidden things that you do not know. So let's ask. Let's believe once we ask and let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity to give us to be here this morning, Lord, and just to just to come before you and deal with some of these difficult subjects, Lord God. This series on expectations could change our life, but Lord God, we need we need to put our hope and our trust in you. We we should have realistic expectations for those around us, Lord God. But our expectations should be limitless when it comes to what you can do in our lives, in our relationships, in our careers, in all the areas of our lives. Lord God, we pray that we would trust in you, that we would focus on your purpose and your plan through your word in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to live out all that you have for us and help us to restore those broken relationships, those frustrations about our work, those frustrations about other areas of our lives that are based upon unrealistic expectations. And through this series, Lord, teach us, teach us, train us, help us to grow, to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, and overcome these challenges in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great, great week.